Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Major League star Tommy Santarelli had a big time swing and an even bigger attitude. Bring it. Until one pitch sent him back to the sandlot. I just can't believe what I'm seeing. Where it all began. It's all coming back to you. Now he's reliving the friendships. No way! Seven jawbreakers, ladies and gentlemen. He's in a pulp guy! Oh! He's reliving the fun. Here, chin. Slap, slap, slap. Oh! Sorry! And he's reliving the greatest moments of the game. <laughs> Join the adventure. This is crazy, guys. <laughs> and make every play count. Out of here. So is this next pitch. <laughs> the Sandlot heading home. Imagine what you can get for this on eBay. What, what day? Nothing. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We're part of the Main Damie Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamie.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at themaindamie. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gbnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. We took a week off, but we are now back, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Uh, we got to get this rolling. I have the All-Star game on pause. Oh, okay. I'm going to break it to you. Someone wins. Someone <laughs> loses. Unless Bud Selig is in the stands. Mark, how many Philadelphia Phillies were there on the All-Star team? Well, as you know, Dan, Major League Baseball requires that one player on every team makes <laughs> okay. the All-Star game. And the Phillies have one player. Oh, excellent. Hmm. Who is wow. it, actually? JT Romuto. So, hold on one second. You paid a guy $330 million, yeah. and he didn't even make the All-Star team. Dan, are you trying out for Philly Sports Talk Radio? <laughs> I'm, what a bum. I'm just, I'm a concerned baseball citizen. Not, not, I don't really care much about Philadelphia sports in general. The one but, thing I've said about this is if the team was playing better, despite his stats, he would have been an All-Star. Now, on the other side of the ball, yeah. and. How's Tommy Santarelli doing? This is probably an all-star year for him, right? Yeah. Wow, he's hitting like 320. Yeah, right? <laughs> Into Santa. his 41st year. That was a great segue. Come on. How is Tommy Santarelli doing on the all-star? Come <laughs> yeah. on. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks. Uh, yeah, because so my for... whole bit about mentioning baseball had nothing to do with it. Well, we were, we were going to go on. <laughs> if, if we had allowed you to talk, you would have gone off on this whole tangent about Bryce Harper like, oh, listen, you got to give him a couple years. And how sexy and, he is. Yeah, and I had to reel it back in. Continue to reel, because we are long in the tooth already. We are talking heavy baseball this week because we decided to go with a baseball movie this week. And we dug deep for this one. And I wish we hadn't. <laughs> I think I think we could all agree on that one. So yeah. we found The Sandlot. Nope. 
hold on a second. Not the 1994 classic movie, The Sandlot. Uh, we found the Sandlot, no. the second sequel to The Sandlot. Sandlot heading home. Second, yeah, not even the second one that involves softball. Nope. We went we even watched, further. For you. We watched The Sandlot, colon, heading home from 2007, involving Luke Perry and time travel. Guys, uh, I mean, we're all, you know, baseball fans. We're yeah. all Sandlot fans. Mm-hmm. So what were what were you thinking going into this movie? I didn't even know they had made a, a third movie about the Sandlot. I knew that they made two. So when I when I heard about this, I was more flabbergasted. Now that I come to think about it, well, even worse movies are made. So why would I be surprised about this? I guess watching it is a total different experience. This is like one of the movies where you would denounce your faith in anything, in life, in people, in uh, <laughs> in higher deities. Mm-hmm. This this is one of those movies that makes you really reconsider having friends. Like this this podcast, <laughs> like I'm strongly considering not being your friend anymore. Is this is testing the strength of friendship, and this might have been it. <laughs> Hanging by a thread. <laughs> yeah. So all you had told me was the words Luke Perry and time travel. Mm-hmm. And it's honest to God time travel. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's end game worthy. Yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah. It's not a dream sequence. It is magic for some reason. Yeah. It, it's, it's never explained if I believe correctly. Yeah. It is a magic hit by pitch. Essentially, yeah. it's a wonderful life meets baseball it meets the sandlot right sure but it's a wonderful life it has nothing to do with time travel and he can't change like they show he shows him visions of what his life would be like that's a good point Luke he Perry never leaves the time goes period. back to 1976 and alters his future mm, there's no, and there's and there's no shaman there's no don Cheadle like in the family man it's just he gets hit in the fucking head and he takes a fucking shot right to the right to the fucking face. Yeah, right in the eye. And he winds up back in 1976. Maybe it was yeah, like the the fireworks and the the, the con- I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm at a loss. I'm this assuming the fireworks were meant to distract him and well, that, to yeah. get hit in the eye. Yeah, that still the batting pa- practice pitcher. He goes high and tight, and he wasn't distracted by the by the fireworks because he said yeah. he he lets out that off that pitch before the fireworks go off. It was, was supposed to be a breaking out, pitch. He was looking to take out Tommy Santorelli. Yep. It was a breaking pitch, and it doesn't break. Right? Mm-hmm. He 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 gives him that little jab, and like, oh, there's something wrong with your breaking pitch. Mm-hmm. What's that? It doesn't break. Yeah. Burn. Burn. I, uh, I gotta tell you, the late Luke Perry. I don't want to trash him. But I'm going to trash him. He does not look like a baseball player at any point. He doesn't. He looks, he just looks tiny. Yeah. Is he, is He's he... not that small of a guy. He's 5'10", but he is scrawny as hell. He does okay with the swings. It looks like he's picked up a bat before. doesn't look like he's played baseball, but it looks like he's gotten some, maybe some arc ball in. So like with a bat in his hands, he doesn't look 100% like he doesn't know what he's doing. But he definitely is couldn't. He, he couldn't swing at an 80 mile an hour or above pitch. Yeah. Is he is he better or worse than Corbin Burns? Ooh, better. I was just literally just watching Major League to uh to wet the to cleanse the palate of this movie and uh, yeah. 
Corbin looks like he's a guy that would have played in the 80s. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but he definitely doesn't look like that in the box. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, Luke Perry just looks, like, out of place in uniform. Okay. There, there's only two actors who actually look like they can not just pretend to play baseball, but could actually, like, they look like they've played. One is Tom Selleck mm-hmm. in Mr. Uh, Mr. Baseball. Yep. And two is Charlie Sheen. Charlie yeah. Sheen looks like he's actually throwing the ball. Everyone else kind of looks like they're well, just. Didn't Charlie Sheen actually pitch in high school? Um, Isn't that the I, whole thing? I know. The, I know. One of the trivia things is that he was hitting mid mid to high 80s on the gun mm-hmm. for major league. And I thought and I had heard that somewhere. Tom Selleck is able to hit the ball out of the park in like yeah. real life. So when you, feel... when you see him taking hacks, he's he's actually taking those daddy hacks. I bet you Dennis Haysbert does too. Uh, Serrano. Serrano, because he's also in Mr. Baseball. Yeah, that's true. And, and he's pretty, he's pretty built-looking guy. When when you get to see him lifting the thong, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right with the, the jock strap, I should say. Yeah. He's he's pretty built, so he fills out a uniform. Luke Perry does not. Yeah. Luke Perry mm-hmm. looks like a guy that's maybe 160 pounds. Just not super athletic. Yeah. I agree. I I don't think he really. Well, I I made the statement to begin with, so of course I would agree. Um, <laughs> you agree yeah. with yourself, Dan? I, yes. But make no mistake, Bring it full Luke, circle. Luke Perry is in this movie for all of about nine minutes. Yeah, I wish we could have actually counted. Uh, I probably could have, but um, I didn't. And he he <laughs> takes three or four swings with the bat, and that's about it. We don't see him field a grounder or pop fly. We just see him uh, take a few practice swings. And that's it. And then we see him in a hospital bed at the end of the movie. This movie sucks, but surprisingly, it holds a 5.2 on IMDb and a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes audience score. Now, I wonder if that's partially because of it just riding the back of the original Sandlot. Like, oh, you know, like, oh, okay. It still it, it brings that nostalgic feeling back because this was made in 2007. Right. I don't know. I feel like there sh- I should it should be the opposite. This should get Ghostbusters 2016 treatment. Well, no, it wasn't an old female <laughs> softball team. <laughs> right. And... I don't think there's a woman to be found in this movie other than Santarelli's mother. Santarelli's mom who has hot mom cancer. Hot yep. mom cancer, the worst kind of cancer. <laughs> Where and she the... shows no effects of it except yep. for sleeping sometimes. Right. And the uh and the waitress who grows up to be a terrible boomer. <laughs> yeah. The waitress that is that gets hit on by a 12-year-old, but yeah. she's too old for Luke Perry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a Ford supporter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Who, who am I thinking? Who who won that? He even says who wins that year. Jimmy Carter. It's Carter. Carter. greatest monster. M- Malays forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this movie is directed by William Deere. He directed Harry and the Hendersons, Angels in the Outfield, and Wild America, starring Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Devin Sawa. I could see the Angels in the Outfield, the way this is shot. Like, on a baseball field? Mm. No, no, just <laughs> the way the baseball is shot. The, the parallels are uncanny. <laughs> There's baseball. Barely. That's about it. Oh, yeah, no, that's one of the things about this movie. Uh, one of the things about The Sandlot is that you know, there's there's good baseball scenes. There's a lot of baseball scenes. And not just this movie has like these montages of, of baseball games being played. And it's like the Sandlot has one scene of that. 
And that's not what makes the movie fun. The movie is fun because, you know, the kids are playing baseball and they have actual personalities. And, like, this movie just tries to – feels like it's shoehorning in baseball in a baseball movie because it's only got a montage of baseball performances. And it's just like, all right, well, this isn't very fun. Yeah, this is all about showing you how shitty this kid is. And then he's – That's – he yeah. is quite possibly the least likable – protagonist we've featured so far yeah worse than i think the kid from kazam was very unlikable yeah but this kid is the worst and i was i was trying to think is like was he this awful when he was a kid because a lot of it's you know it's his prima donna because he's he's uh an all-star and stuff like that but am i supposed to get that he was always kind of a shitty person because he's yeah. he doesn't like any of the he doesn't know any of these kids doesn't remember them yeah, he you he would have been on the side of the AJ kids. EJ. The, the bull, e, oh, was it was EJ. I thought it was EJ. EJ, oh. EJ pr- played by Alexander Ludwig, who went on to star in the show Vikings. Oh. Uh, speaking of the the cast, it stars Luke Perry as Tommy Santa Santarelli, Danny Nucci as Benny the Jet Rodriguez, Sarah Deacons as uh, Mrs. Santarelli, Chauncey Leopardi reprising his role as Michael Squints Palidoris, and the aforementioned Alexander Ludwig. Yep, uh, they got Chauncey Leopardi back. He, I don't believe he reprised his role in the previous sequel. Um, I believe James Daryl Jones was in that one, as well as somebody else, possibly uh, the guy that played old uh, Smalls, but definitely not anybody yeah. else. And yeah, no, this movie just sucks. I, I was saying before uh, earlier in the week that I thought that this was going to be the one that um, uh, we come together to talk about how much we hate this movie. Mark, I feel like you're still going to find common ground with this movie. Am I wrong in assuming that? (laughs) No, I absolutely hated this movie. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's... uh, What what are your thoughts about it? Just give it kind of a... So, essentially, I couldn't get past the fact, uh, besides Luke Perry playing the most arrogant baseball player I've ever seen in my life. Like, like he was a caricature of the Danny McBride character in He's Bound yeah. Down. Even worse than that guy. And it, A, Luke Perry couldn't pull it off, so that it set a bad tone to begin with. And just everything about this movie is like, all right, am I supposed to, what am I supposed to like about this? I hate the kid. You know, the baseball's terrible. There doesn't seem to be, I guess the, the whole story really is, you know, that the mother dying of cancer thing. Right. I guess. I don't, maybe. Maybe. I, like, what makes him turn? Is it because that kid tells him his mother is sick and, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. is that it? Not even. He doesn't make a turn at that point. Like, he yeah. makes the turn that he wants to beat that kid. But then yeah. he makes a turn at the end because, A, like, he's... First, he's like he turncoats and goes to the Mr. Needman's team. Yeah, because and... he's basically trying to make sure to not screw up right history or the timeline or whatever. Right. So one of his earliest moments in his quote unquote career was making this great catch that a scout for like the prep school saw. So he wound up going to prep school. That's where he got seen by scouts. 
So then he that's where his Major League Baseball career came while he's playing for the Needman team. But then like he almost doesn't play because his mom is like sick and asleep is trying to sleep. It's never really part of the movie. Like he's never really affected by the fact that she has cancer and she's barely affected by it either. Like until the very end, like she looks like she doesn't have cancer because, you know, <laughs> it's like she's got hot mom cancer. Yeah, it she just, looks like she looks like someone that doesn't have cancer. Basically, it's all the emotional parts of this movie come from the fact that he's from the future. Like him knowing his mom dies is the whole reason why he's upset in that very last scene. Yes, yeah. he knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they don't even pull that off well. You One know, of the main that, things that they don't pull off well. If that was the whole conceit of your movie, that should have been the thing you, you know, were able to pull off. And they, I don't even know what they're going for. Like, <laughs> it's, it's Let just, it out, Mark. Let it out. <laughs> it's just baffling to me that I think they, they were trying to make like three different movies. Like, they were trying to recapture the Sandlot. They were trying to do the old trope of a of that era 60s 70s movies where real estate was evil and they were trying to build the big you know suburban places and taking land away and you know and then they were also had this cancer story like (laughs) it was i don't know how they would have outside of it being self-funded by one of the producers how they could have even gotten this movie made Oh, no, this is a movie. This is funded by 20th Century Fox. And I don't... That's why That's why this movie has some, like, key music cues. Very Ballroom big... Ballroom Blitz. Yeah, yeah. Ballroom yeah, Blitz. I, I, I don't uh, know if I necessarily meant that. Mm-hmm. I meant more so that, like, this was one producer that was able to get all this funding. Maybe, this you know was, what I mean? Like, this is a movie... project. This was a movie that they had $4 million sitting around at the end of 2006 yeah. and they needed to fund a movie so that they could yeah. they could stick to a budget so they don't get undercut the next year. And this was someone's nephew had written this movie. Uh, I, I don't know if you touched on this because I, I cut away for a little bit. There, there's no charm in this movie. No. Not at all. Right? I mean, they're, they're trying to, like Mark said, they're trying to bank off the charm of, or they're trying to recapture the charm from the original Sandlot. But as Anthony alluded to as well, those kids are actually likable. And this movie suffers from the Hobbit problem. Can anyone, other than Thor and Oakenshield, can anyone name any of the, the dwarves really? Right. Not, right. It's one of those things where they're there, the kids are there, but you don't mm-hmm. remember them. Yeah, maybe two ton because no, he's fat. Get it? But I, there, I, I there couldn't are, tell you another kid. There are three white kids that look exactly the same. They all have like brownish reddish hair. They're all like short, medium, and tall. <laughs> but they, I couldn't tell you their names. They reminded the one kid reminded me. I think it was the catcher. Hey, again, there you could put them in any conceivable like any order. And I would just, just, I wouldn't be able to tell you who they are. But the, I think it was the catcher who reminded me of the really nerdy kid from Little Giants. Don't be talking about my mama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's just I, like he's a real nerdy wimp. But that, none, none of them really had any characteristics that jumped out at you other than yeah. the one kid being fat. 
Yeah, yeah. The only thing that made me nod in the movie is when the catcher yells out to the fat kid and going, you're supposed to be back here. I'm <laughs> right. like, no, fuck that. He can play outfield. It doesn't matter. Mark's so breaking only... me. Breaking <laughs> the trends. I, I felt seen in that in that moment. All right. What do you say we get into this bullshit movie right now? Yeah. The plot. And we're yeah. going Let's wade through this mess. Get through this as fast as we can. Starts off with Fox Sports Behind the Glory documentary, which is very 2007, on Tommy Santa Santarelli, which might be the worst (laughs) nickname for a baseball player ever given. And this is, it's a fictional movie. Give it another shot. (laughs) Really, you could pick any name, any combination of a first and last name that would create a better nickname than santa santarelli jesus what was he a gift to each town he went to or something every every at bat or every everything anyone ever sees is a gift that he gives to them to the fans yeah it's awful it's the worst nickname ever i feel like Um, it's a nickname he gave himself oh no it is self-given absolutely yeah it is literally they say literally self-given yeah it's and his catchphrase is even worse, oh, compounded with that. Yeah. All the way to the North Pole. It's like, oh. Jesus Christ, how old are you? <laughs> like, it's it's not as bad when he's 12, but when he's 41. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, apparently he's 41. Yeah. He. This is the uh, era of baseball where that's not unheard of. Yeah. Because everybody's juicing. But not Luke right. Perry, that's for damn sure. Yeah, there was... <laughs> There's one moment where I went, this guy wouldn't fly in 2019 at all. No. It's when he's talking mm. to the female reporter. Oh, yeah. Keeps calling totally her sweetie. Her. Yeah, we had a Me Too moment in this movie. Mm-hmm. So we could say it's ahead of its time. Yeah. yeah. And then he gets really pissy about just like so, a, an innocuous comment she makes to him. But anyway, uh, we learned in this documentary that he is, after they name about a dozen baseball players, real baseball players, that he is also in that category. Like uh, good baseball players. Of good not, baseball players. Not just random baseball players. No, like, yeah. Like Hank Aaron. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds. Line. <laughs> and, like, it just keeps going. Although I did notice that they totally skipped over King Griffey Jr., which I thought that was a mistake. They, they did mention Cal Ripken. They did mention Cal yeah, Ripken. Yeah, no, Cal, uh, no uh, Ken Griffey. That's, that's bullshit. That's true. Fucking yeah. Fox Sports. That's and why. They, that's why they're bullshit. And they left off a one John Cruck. Oh, the John Cruck, who will make a cameo in this movie. So, uh, real quick, does that mean he does not exist in this world? I guess so. Right. right? <laughs> so, John Cruck, or maybe maybe the maybe it's his dad or something. Well, since this is the first time he'll pop up, because they do some weird, basically foreshadowing of the movie, it's that when he first comes on screen, Cruck, the resolution's so bad on here, I thought it was Brian Dennehy. Yeah. I didn't realize it was him until I was looking at the trivia of um, yeah. of the movie. And I was like, oh, that's fuck- well, that was John Cruck. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so we should we should mention that we found a version of this on YouTube, so we didn't have to pay anything for it. And it wasn't it wasn't the best resolution. Yeah, um, it was wasn't until the second uh, scene because I think it was the resolution on top of it trying to be a fake TV show. Right. That kind of made it even worse. And it yeah. wasn't until he pops up later in the movie that I was like, oh, that's John Crook. And it, it's like sepia toned too at the beginning. Yeah. 
because yeah. apparently Fox Sports has unprecedented footage of Tommy Santarelli when he was 12, 12 years old. Years old. <laughs> just film cameras capturing him and his mom as he just won the championship. <laughs> and right before she dies, apparently. But I guess her cancer, like, so when he goes back in time, her cancer gets worse, right? Cause, no, no, cause no, it, no. In, it, no. Yes, because in the footage that they show in the doc, she's at the game. Oh, okay. She, <laughs> but, if, but when he goes back in time, she can't go to the game because she's so sick. So Is Tommy it, kills his mother earlier because he goes back in time. I guess they never mentioned. They never mentioned this. I, I, I don't guess think they, it's a plot point. I guess they sort of the the only throwaway line I can think of is when the doctor tells her that the stress of whatever's going, like his coming back, you know, being crazy, is putting too much stress on her. And then she starts back up her treatments. Yeah. But I don't think that's on purpose. No. I don't think this is. I don't think there's an underlying. No. That, that is but, the only thing then I don't even think it's on purpose. Like, it's one of those happy accidents. Well, I wouldn't call it happy. Well, I mean, it's still cancer, yeah. regardless of its hot mom cancer. <laughs> so uh, insensitive, Mark. Yeah, Mark. I know. God. When I hate a movie, I just go full out. Yeah. Tommy is playing his in, in his 19th and final season, and he's a real asshole. We mentioned Luke Perry... Uh, doesn't look like he's a ball player by any means. Uh, he looks like he should have retired mm, ten years earlier. I mean, he lo- he's he looks like he's in okay shape, but he's not in ball player shape. Right, but no, he looks weathered as fuck. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he looks like a he hard forty-one. Lo- oh yeah, he looks weathered as fuck. He looks like <laughs> and he, his and face has seen some shit. Yeah, and he probably would have been the single hated most hated player in baseball because he just was bouncing around for the money. Oh yeah. He signed like one year contracts or something. Yeah. <laughs> he played on Arizona. Dodgers, yep. Yankees. I think pirates. Uh, yes. It's something stupid. It's, I don't know. Who cares? And then we find out that the manager of the Dodgers is Benny, the jet Rodriguez who has developed a Spanish accent since the first movie. And also might be an alcoholic. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not the Benny the Jet Rodriguez, no. the original actor. By Danny Nucci. And I think not... he was in, what was he, in uh, The Hunt for Red October? He's like a guy that you've seen like a bunch of times that you yeah. never really know his name. He's in the background mostly, and he'll have one or two lines. Yeah. Benny the Jet, he's just talking about... He's kind of like for a documentary about Tommy Santarelli, he's kind of negative towards Tommy Santarelli, which is weird. Uh, he's just like, guys like Tommy, they don't play for the love of the game. And he shows a picture of the Sandlot kids. Like, kids like this, they don't even exist anymore. But Tommy is literally in that picture from when he was 12 years old. Right. I just imagine someone talking. Like years down the line, they'll do something like a Yankeeography of Derek Jeter or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, Derek, he didn't really care too much about baseball. He was more into like plowing chicks and whatnot. Like, no, you don't, you don't say that. Yeah. You, want, <laughs> you want to take a second cut and take that one there, Benny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Benny just gets on his boomer bullshit. Hey, Benny, we're we're talking about good things here. He's he's retiring. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, but he's also kind of, he sounds like he's slurring his words a little bit. Like maybe he just had a little nip. I think he's on painkillers, right? A little nip of some, yeah, some desk whiskey. 
<laughs> the, the emergency stash. <laughs> this goes on about some boomer bullshit of the good old days. And we see Tommy in front of some reporters patronizing some reporter like this movie was made in 2007. She starts questioning him about some tell-all book from his ex-girlfriend, and he gets super pissy. He storms off, and he has a batting practice uh, a scene where he doesn't know the pitcher's name, and he's a real dick to the guy. Just every moment that Tommy gets a chance to just be a real asshole, he takes it. I'm sorry, I was going to say, I kind of... <laughs> I kind of like when he just addresses the pitcher by the number. <laughs> He's like, hey, 26. And then he just goes on and just berates this dude. Yeah. And to be honest with you, the pitcher has no reason to be there. Yeah. He looks even worse than Luke Perry does. Yeah. But what's funny is that he expects the pitcher to uh, to know what the uh, the details about the operations of the park. Hey, 26, what's going on over there? <laughs> yeah. uh, they're setting up fireworks for next week. Next week, why are they doing it now? I don't know. It's just what they tell me. <laughs> I just like, showed up here. I'm a bat. I'm a batting practice pitcher. I don't know why they're setting up fireworks right now. <laughs> Stop yelling at me. <laughs> I, I'm I make league minimum, man. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, listen again. I, I think it's just him being a dick, and I'm sure there is a baseball player out there right now who's the same way. They're setting up fireworks a week early through some shenanigans. One of the fireworks guys accidentally sets it off, sets off the fireworks as batting practice is going on. And Tommy gets one straight to the fucking face. It was a good one. It was a good shot. Right in the eye. It looks like the eye. He's going to lose that fucking eye. And he gets knocked out. Uh, When he comes to... He's somehow transported to 1976 at the Sandlot because of magic, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's Transport never mentioned. Transport is the right word. Yeah. And as we mentioned, it probably would make more sense if it just wound up being a dream. You know, he wakes up at the end of this movie and he's still on the field and nothing has changed. And But he learns a thing or two about himself through his CTE brain hemorrhage. <laughs> <laughs> that he probably gets this fever dream that he has as they're trying to resuscitate him on the field. And he learns a thing or two and he becomes a nice guy. That would make a lot more sense. But no, this is actual time travel. And the beanball that he gets sends him back to 1976. So now uh, herein lies the first problem with this movie, at least for me. When he is transported back to 1976, mm-hmm. they immediately like make you think he like you should know who all of these people are. Yep. And they never meant that. They just said that these were the Sandlot kids, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. now it's like, am I supposed to know anyone here? They just kind of toss you into it. It would have been good if they had maybe prior talked about, like maybe in the filming of the the uh, Tommy Santarelli biopic yeah. or whatever, if they said, uh, you know, like I got started at like this day, and then that's when he's. It's like in Back to the Future, 1955. There's a reason why you go back to 1955. Why does he go back to 1976 at that moment? Yeah. There's no reason. So this was where I was questioning it. It was like when he meets the kids, I guess he was riding his bike through the sandlot and he gets hit by a, a ball that was hit. Is like, is that the history of what happened? Did he get right. hit back in 1976 and that's how he met the kids? Because this is supposed to be like his basically first day in the neighborhood. They just moved in. He's the new kid is what they call him. Yeah. I'm not sure 
And um, that's that was what I was sort of questioning earlier was just like, was he always a dick when he was a kid? Yeah, I, I think because they never explain it. So I don't know. Is it that he gets hit with the ball and it changes the course of that? You know, now he meets the Sandlot kids when he may have just drove by and then went to that other team and everything we saw in the beginning of the movie happens. Yeah, but I don't know. And this getting hit in the eye changes the course of the future. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, I agree. I think you, there should be some insight to how he was as a kid. Yeah, we don't know. We know he was an asshole when he got older. Was it just because he lost his mom at a young age that he was like, I'm going to be an asshole now? Yeah, we never get any I, idea of what his dad was like, if his dad was in his life in, at any, in any way, right? No. He wasn't in this movie. I don't know what the events were besides the one final event of when he was 12 at the when he was playing for Needman. But anyway, it doesn't make any much, any sense. But uh, the kids eventually uh, revive him after he gets hit in the head. One of the deputies, a deputy comes over, tries to give him mouth to mouth and whatever. Kids, uh, they try and get him to remember stuff. So they start asking him who the ba- greatest baseball player of all time was. And he says, me, Tommy Santarelli. And they're like, no, you idiot. It's Babe Ruth, mm. which is and silly because in 1976, <laughs> Hank Aaron is Hank playing Aaron. in his final season. Yeah. So he that, at least that should be the first name on the, everybody's mind. But obviously they're calling back to the original movie. So uh, cringeworthy. I hate that part. The Great Bambino. Mm-hmm. The timeline is slightly off. Not as much as I thought it was at first. But if Tommy is 41 in 2007, he was either born in 1966 or 1965, which would make Tommy 10 or 11 in 1976, not 12 or 13. So he's a little bit older than he's supposed to be. So they can't even do that right. I guarantee you it was only because they wanted to make the Ford Carter joke. I guarantee you that's why they picked 1976. (laughs) We are fitting that Ford joke in, all right? Yeah. It's it's a (laughs) (laughs) non-negotiable. We've got this great joke about Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter. Let's write a movie around it. <laughs> I heard they need another Sandlot movie. Done. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> oh, that movie didn't have time travel in it? Or make it so. <laughs> the world is ours to create at this point. We can do whatever we want. Man on power. 20th Century Fox gave us $4 million for this. <laughs> If that's, the, we, if that's what really happened, then I, I this might be my new favorite movie. <laughs> that one joke is because yeah. is what made this movie what it is. Uh, go ahead. I was gonna say who who directed this? Uh, Mark, what was it? Uh, William Deere. William so Deere. If if William Deere, if you hear this, or any of the writers, Keith Mitchell, Ali Dvorvin, Dorvin, maybe Vorin, I don't know. If any of them are listening. Please confirm or deny that this movie was based off of the Ford Carter joke. Please. <laughs> I need to know this. Yes. The, and the only reason I bring it up is because it's the only thing that gives it a time frame. In yeah, the entire movie, it is the only thing that gives it a time frame. Yeah, it's true because it's like it's the bicentennial. So they have like they have some stupid do asshole dressed up as George Washington to perform. The uh, Star Spangled Banner at during the tournament, but that's about it. <laughs> like, so I guess the 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 second movie took place ten years after the original movie, so that's 1972. 
So I guess they couldn't do that again. So I don't know. I don't know why they picked 1976. It must have been. It had to be that joke where he's just like, "Oh, Jer- uh, Jimmy Carter wins," and then he walks <laughs> out and ruins that that waitress's life. This is where we find uh, we meet our more or less anonymous uh, team. We've got a fat kid, a sickly-looking mute kid, a smart black kid, and several similar-looking white kids. Tommy is probably suffering from a severe brain injury because then he passes out. And a few times. Several times. And uh, wakes up several hours later in his bed. I uh, just rubbed some dirt in it. He's got his bell rung. Definitely like 1976. And wakes up in his bed. He sees his mom. He thinks it's a dream. He wakes up and he's still back in 1976. And one of the things is he takes forever to figure out what's going on. Yeah, like in like these body well. switch movies or accidental time travel movies, it takes like a scene for the main character to kind of, you know, get their feet underneath them. You know, like Marty McFly, he figures it out by the time, you know, he he sees Biff in, in the diner. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like that's like an hour into his time travel. <laughs> Maybe. Well, oh, because he he goes back, he crashes into the the farm, and, and then, then by the by the next morning, right. yep. But he, like Tommy to is town. still Tommy is still holding on to the fact that he's 41 years old in the year 2007, and he's the greatest baseball player who ever lived, and he just doesn't get it into his head that hey, no one's gonna know what TiVo is. Which is a great joke that is um, super you know, dated. Super dated by now. That was a that was a four year span where that was relevant. They struck while that iron was lukewarm. <laughs> but but then he does this like total reversal where he goes right into being a kid, like oh like I'm going out, mom, and stuff like that. Like well, if you convinced that you're still a 41 year old, wouldn't you be like I'm just going out. I'm not going to tell my mother. Right, he, so he goes right back into being a kid. So it, it's one of those things where I, I, I don't know if the the acting directions fit. I, I right. don't know how to describe. It's just it. very inconsistent in terms yes. of his character. Yes. Is there so points like, where he's but, acting like a forty-one year old, but then he's acting like a twelve year old? Right. Do Do you believe you're forty-one yet, or now are you a kid? Like, what What are you doing? Right. There's no explanation for how he gets back in time. There's no, there's none of him trying to figure out how to get back to his own time. There's just no sense of urgency that it's just, it happens. And then he's just playing it out. And then eventually it gets undone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's no countdown. My happenstance. Right. Yeah. There's no countdown to like, you have to be back by this time or you can't do this in the past or it will affect the future. So they're not playing by any rules. They're playing it fast and loose. Yeah, no. Tommy would not have listened to any time cop rules. No, no, he would have touched everything and inhabited the same space as himself. Yep. For sure. Because he's totally would have totally totally would have had a three way with himself. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And double teamed his hot girlfriend that he left in Los Angeles. (laughs) I was gonna say, uh, yeah, that would make sense. I guess, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> so he gets taken to the doctor. Where this is where the TiVo reference takes place, and Tommy still doesn't understand what's going on, and just doesn't even start to go with it at this point yet. And this is where we find out that Tommy's mom has cancer, and she's going to start treatment again. 
she takes him home to show him some photos to try and jog his memory, kind of get him clear of who he is and where he's from and all that kind of stuff. So when the kids show up from the Sandlot and they're like, hey, new kid, Benny the Jet Rodriguez is doing putting on a clinic down at the old Sandlot. You want to come? He's like, sure, whatever. I'm going out, Mom, bye. <laughs> Mom, bye. going out. <laughs> bye. <laughs> and that's where he, like, all of a sudden he's a kid now. Yeah. So they go to the Sandlot, and there's Benny, uh, who walks around in his official Dodgers uniform, apparently. <laughs> what is that? And and he does it an awful lot. Yeah, he's just like, all right, I play for the Dodgers, guys. But he, yes. to, to be honest, though, to the, the movie's credit, he looks exactly like a baseball <laughs> player in the 70s. Sure. He's got that sweet stash. Oh, yeah. It's a good one, too. <laughs> the, the nice long hair. It's like, dude, now that's what a baseball player looked like. Benny shows up. He's put on a clinic. Uh, Tommy sits it out for a little bit and then squints. Michael <sighs> Palidoris shows up. Christ. And he <laughs> is is just mugging for the camera. He has a long reveal. It, he, show, he, he shines up his glasses, puts them on real slow. Puts his, puts hat, his hat backwards. backwards. <laughs> and, oh man, it's like you can feel just how pathetic it is it's it's like you like oh this is the like the big reveal big reveal of someone who's going to be really you know like someone important and it's fucking squints well who's like of the three like there's only really two people you really want to see right it's benny the jet and squints no you're the most iconic put ham out there i guess hamilton hamilton the babe porter who does get a mention in this movie yeah come on i i think that squints is pretty iconic for the first movie. Well, because he because he molested a a, a life. Uh, he, I, I wouldn't call what? it Don't molestation, you besmirch Wendy but I would definitely point. call it an assault. <laughs> yeah, he assaulted a lifeguard. He totally does. Yeah, I'm sorry, and I'm yeah, I know it was the '60s, right? The '60s. Yeah, I know it was the '60s, but it, it's still the same. All right, we can't yeah. keep turning well, blind make, eye to these that things. That doesn't make him any less iconic. He's also got the forever. That's true. That that yeah. is a pretty good line. If you're gonna take if you're gonna take anybody, you're gonna take Bane the Jet, you're gonna take Squints, or you're gonna take Ham. Those are the three that you're gonna bring back. Well, Squints was Nobody a wants to see terrible smalls. baseball player. Was he? Yeah, at least Ham could hit. Ham could hit. Ham had a long ball. Squints, Squints was like a singles hitter. Mm, that doesn't get you laid. Uh, I believe he wound up having nine kids with Wendy Peppercorn. That's a good point. So <laughs> he at least got laid nine times. I think they they jacked up that number on purpose. Like you see, kids, he, he's nailing her. <laughs> Squints is getting it in. It is a it is a terrible life lesson that that first movie teaches. You just gotta you just gotta go for it and assault. Assault the love of your your dream woman, and maybe she'll and let she'll you just give in for the rest of your life. Right? Yeah. She'll she'll just give in to your advances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although yeah. she was giving him eyes before that ever happened, so mm-hmm. there was something there when she's walking are, are, down the street. Are you are you are you trying to tell me she deserved it? Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. This but is, I'm saying there was something there. There's this is connection. getting very dangerous, Anthony. I I don't agree with that. I feel yeah, like they I, have previous history. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a long stretch. Nope. Watch <laughs> that scene where she's walking down down the street again. 
Or maybe they come she's out of the pharmacy. Maybe she's just looking in their general direction. Could be she's that. Giving a bedroom eyes. Mm. To a twelve-year-old? Yep. I don't know. I don't she's know. Not that big of a difference. At that point, that is a big oh, difference. Yeah, totally, it is. <laughs> let's let's not kid ourselves. But that anyway, is a, that is that is a uh, Grand Canyon difference. Anyway, everybody, watch The Sandlot. It's a great movie. <laughs> not this. Don't, don't watch not, this one. Not Sandlot. Uh, heading home or heading whatever home. it's fucking called. Uh, so we get a, a short scene with Squints and Santa talking about all the kids kind of running down a laundry list of their quote-unquote characterizations and it's boring and i don't remember any of the kids names i only remember one or well two two ton and timber that's all i remember no no. rock and roll because they make that really terrible joke where he goes well you know i've been actually listening to more like uh rap and hip-hop right again still doesn't get it Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's and it's walk and roll roll because yeah. one of their names is Wakamoto. Yeah, because he's Asian. Get it? Yep. Yep. <laughs> then Benny's like, "All right, who wants to hit against real major league pitching?" She's not even a pitcher. I don't even understand that. Santa says, "Sure, me." And he just lights up Benny all day. Oh, but he takes him deep. Yeah, it's, it's kind of satisfying. Yeah, right? He just, he puts Benny right fucking his place. Was, I didn't think it was a character that needed to be put in his place, but he totally gets put in his place. Right, like, what you would think was going to happen was that Benny was going to, you know, throw some some cheese by him. Right. And really yeah, a little put, humble. Exactly. Nope. The exact yeah. opposite happens. Yeah, if there is one thing that is missing from this movie, it is a single humbling experience in Tommy Santorelli's life. Even with his mom dying, yeah. there's no humbling experience. Yeah, because she yeah. like goes at she goes out looking good. Yeah, and and he, well, I mean, we're we're spoiling the ending, but everything turns out okay. He gets to see his mom, and it's like, oh, all right, well, nothing really changed. Yeah, there's no like the only humbling experience is when the mute kid finally talks and basically tells him to shut the fuck up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right best character in the movie <laughs> because he doesn't say a line until that moment ryan ryan the, the mute so he got so benny gets taken deep on the reg uh, he, i think he hits like four or five homers off of just and the, the kid the kid actor he's got a decent swing he's a little flat-footed but mm-hmm. more or less he's not bad so all the kids are like holy shit this kid's good we should get him to play in the tournament with us and then he's like fuck you kids I ain't got any plans to play with you guys. I'm piecing as soon as I figure out all about this time travel shit. Which he doesn't do. Doesn't. Nope. Has no attempts to try and figure it out. This would have been a good opportunity for him to mention something like Back to the Future. Because Tommy Santorelli would have probably seen that movie at least once. Yeah. So he could have just been like, man, what are they doing Back to the Future? How do I get home? That would have been clever. But no. Never mentions any time travel movie. Mentions Young Frankenstein because I guess that was a 20th Century Fox movie. So they got that one for free. <laughs> There's worse movies that they could have uh, referenced, I guess. Yeah, sure. Even though it was technically came out two years prior to this movie was supposed to be taking place in. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, after the absolute display Tommy puts on, evil Needman and his evil son EJ show up and they start revealing that Plant Needman is planning to buy up the Sandlot to put in some condos. Isn't this the plot to the Goonies? More or less, yeah. 
basically okay. every movie from the 80s into the 90s was right. an evil evil land developer you're, buying you're, up something sacred. I don't know what that popped in my head when you were just explaining. like, wait, that was the movie I was thinking of. Essentially, you're swapping out like uh, a ski resort or something like that for the Sandlot. Yep. Right. It's like, oh, my dad's gonna come in here and buy the place. Or no, no, the community center, Dan. Do the community center. There you go. <laughs> and it's, Which uh, I think is a plot to a very Brady movie. <laughs> and it's it's also the plot to a uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. But they knew strange. what they were doing when they did that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a very clear parody. Yeah. So then we have movie night with mom, where young Frankenstein is is playing. And meanwhile, the kids try and sneak into the movie to talk to Tommy. They sneak in through the bathroom and they rip off the bathroom scene from Austin Powers. With Officer Porkchop. <laughs> but Officer Porkchop helps the kids sneak into the movie anyway because he's uh, the fat kid's uncle. They interrupt the movie. The kids get chased out. Then after that, uh, there's the scene in the diner where young Tommy hits on the waitress that is too old for even Luke Perry. The mute kid shows up, and Tommy confides in him about his whole time travel mess. The mute kid leaves, and outside, the punk other kids with EJ pick on the mute kid. And then Tommy comes to his defense, and uh, they have a cheap version of the scene from The Sandlot, where they start trading insults. And then EJ makes fun of Tommy for having a mom with cancer. Yeah, it got real dark. (laughs) At least my mom's not sick. (laughs) <laughs> like, whoa. whoa i would have respected tommy more if he just socked him right him. In oh the yeah face. right just cold cocked him right in the mouth yeah it's i don't <laughs> understand why they went the way that they did if i were that kid obviously yeah I'm, I'm not hesitating to just knock out that kid yeah not at all this is supposed to be a lighthearted movie yeah no it gets real dark right there yeah and that's probably the reason why he doesn't get punch in the face because this is a kid's movie can't, can't have any violence then they all leave without any punches thrown then there's a scene at the sandlot where there's literally no baseball played in it at all and we just find out that the kid that's supposed to be the pitcher can't throw strikes when someone's in the batter's box yeah and then what? they uh make a major league reference what was it do they no when uh well it might be later i might be thinking of another scene where they're trying to teach a pitcher how to pitch right and yes that, there is yeah that's later. At the okay. town meeting, Mr. Deanman is talking about looking to make a buck. He's trying to buy the Sandlot. Squints is trying to rally the community to save the Sandlot. Crowd cheers for Squints, but the decision hasn't been made yet. Then Tommy has a dream of older Tommy signing a contract with the Yankees. But the girlfriend's like, I can't move, Tommy. I have a residency here. And then she can't act either besides can't <laughs> move. She can't move and she can't act. There was a pretty funny, uh, going back to the, the town hall meeting, where, what's the guy's name, Niedermeyer? Nieder? Needman. Needman. He, he says, look, I'm not going to lie. I'm looking to make a buck here. And then someone yells at him, like, oh, oh Squints t- tells him, Neiman's only trying to make a buck. Like, <laughs> yeah, he literally just said that. <laughs> yep. he's, he's not pulling back any punches here. <laughs> Telling you exactly what his plans are. Right. Yeah. After his dream, the kids uh, wake Tommy up and tell him that they're going to go get some equipment. Oh, I should mention that after the, the fight with EJ, he's decided that he's going to play in the tournament with them. Yeah, uh, just essentially to beat EJ. Yeah, just to beat EJ. But they need some equipment, so they decide to go into Old Man Myrtle's house to get the equipment they need. And this is the most pointless scene in the entire movie of Pointless Scenes. Yep. It's like a mini 
Scooby-Doo episode in this movie. It's ridiculous. This whole scene is them going through the house and setting off booby traps set by Mr. Myrtle. Yeah. And why would Mr. Myrtle set traps in his house and then abandon it? Wasn't he blind? And what? And didn't he like kids? Like, it's just all doesn't make any sense. I, I, I'll be honest. I checked out at this point. I could tell. I could tell. I'm getting nothing. I'm getting no yeah. feedback. <laughs> no. I'm just like, I, as soon as it started getting like haunted house stuff, I'm like, all right, let's see. Has this uh, thing I'm uploading uploaded yet? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a scene they they're in the house and I think they wind up walking away with like a a ball signed by one of the Dodgers World Series teams but it's a weird transition to daytime when like he shows what the ball is it's like they have this whole scene in in the haunted house and then all of a sudden he walks it's outside daytime. and it's daytime and they go back to the sandlot and Benny has blown out his knee but he's there in some crutches and we get a training montage and one of the parts of the training montage is Timber trying to pitch a strike, but he can't pitch when there's people there. And they try and set up some mannequins up there to try and get him to pitch around. And they have like five or six mannequins. I have no idea where they got so many mannequins. And he's just creaming all their heads. The, the best part of this training montage is the, the kids are terrible, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're not hitting. They're not pitching. They're barely catching the ball. So then at the end... Benny asks Tommy, like, what do you think? Do you think they're ready? And, you know, Tommy goes, yeah, I think they could bring it. And nothing in that montage made me believe that they were (laughs) any good at baseball. Yeah. So it was kind of like if, Ant, you decided you wanted to practice medicine, like you wanted to be a surgeon. (laughs) And we do a montage of you just butchering people. (laughs) And, and And then the, you know, the practicing surgeon asks me, like, Dan, do you think Anthony's ready? I just go, oh, yeah, he's ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope for my sake, if that situation ever comes up, you say yes, Dan. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah, this, this, <laughs> this scene was the complete opposite from the baseball scene in uh, Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> oh, yeah, where the kids are, like, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Kids are great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where were those kids? They, they were the Mozart tournament. made that catch. Yeah, that's right. But but these kids are having a little bit more fun than anybody in that game. <laughs> yeah, there, there's like Eat shit and there's and no live. Yeah, there's no trash talking going on. <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh you, you know usually in a montage like well obviously we'll use Rocky as the the main example. You see him struggle at first, and then as the montage goes on, he gets better. Yep. In this, it's just a flat line. Like, yep. oh, he can't hit, he can't hit, he can't hit, he can't hit. I think he can play. <laughs> yeah. Squint shows up with some uniforms, at least. So now they're a real team. Yeah. Movie magic means once you have a uniform, you can play. All of yeah. a sudden, you're, like, the best baseball player or any athlete. You're the best and athlete. Every every movie with a ragtag bunch of, bunch of players has that moment. Where they yeah. get, they actually get uniforms. Right, and then they proceed to kick ass, right? Mm-hmm. Mighty Ducks. That's the, probably the best one. Little yeah. Giants. Little Giants. You could even say Dodgeball. Dodgeball, yep. I was just going to mention, I was actually scrolling back through the movie because I had remembered that, yep, the colors are almost exactly the same as the average Joe. They are. <laughs> red, and, uh, red and yellow. <laughs> yeah, so then we have a long baseball game montage where there's finally some baseball as the tournament's yeah. going on. In this baseball movie. 
<laughs> yep. It only took an hour, but we're playing baseball. But it's just it's it's just filler, really. The, yeah. It's not what makes this the like it's not what made the original movie fun. Sure, there's baseball in it, but who cares? Like we're seeing right. just like oh, there's another there's another score. They won. Now next game. Right, because the original movie it was a coming of age tale. You, you yeah. know, a, a summer. A, a boy who the was best new summer to the area. Of the kid's life. Exactly. And yeah. he, he made friends along the way. Yeah. And this is just a guy's a dickhead no. and he's kinda learning how to not be a dickhead. It, I guess. But right. he's, a, it's he's very loose. Forever a dickhead. For right. Most it never, of this movie. It never changes really. That's the yeah. problem. Like he's yeah. even a, he's even a dickhead when he switches sides in this movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a prima donna up through the very end. So after the long baseball montage where they win all the games, he runs home to tell his mom. And Mr. Needman is there and shows up at Tommy's house and offers Tommy a place on his team. As we mentioned earlier, playing for Needman is one of Tommy's defining moments as he makes that catch at the wall to win the game. And then we get another next town meeting scene where Needman offers a challenge for the Sandlot because the town council has not made a decision yet. If the Sandlot team wins, they get to keep the Sandlot. If they lose, Needman gets the Sandlot, which is how all city council meetings end. True democracy here in action. Now, twelve-year-old baseball game. Yeah, we're we're gonna make major decisions based on a twelve-year-old game. Yep. In real life, I really hope all of those people were fired. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's you 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 know it's coming in that scene where like, all right, they're they're gonna they're gonna bet the the Sandlot. You know it's going to happen. And when it happens, it's still fucking unbelievable. Like, how can they allow that in a city council meeting? It's literally just a little piece of land. They decide to have the game at the Sandlot if they're going to play for the Sandlot. That was Squint's one condition. So then we have a scene with Tommy kind of practicing telling the team uh, that he is going to play for Needman to Ryan the Mute. And this is where Ryan, in so many words, tells him to shut the fuck up. Go fuck yourself. You're supposed to be having fun and about friends, and you're just in it for yourself. And then we have Tommy practicing with Needman's team, and at this point, he hasn't learned a damn thing. He's a real asshole. He's not hitting the cutoff man. He's just all about himself. And he, This is the he one time where I'm like, EJ has a very good valid point. Right. Yeah. Right. Like there's a certain way that we do things on this team. Yeah. And we hit the cutoff, man. I mean, it would be one thing if Tommy's throwing fucking lasers to the plate, but he no, he's throwing lollipops, yeah, man. He lollipopped it. home. Oh. Yeah. Then we got a scene with Benny and Squints at the Sandlot cleaning up the Sandlot, which they don't do a very good job. They mention Ham is still a pro wrestler. Squints is up to four kids at this point, so he's still got five more on the way. Yeah. Tommy eavesdrops on their conversation. Where they talk about they they miss about the Sandlot, they talk about friendship and all that bullshit. We have a scene with Tommy's mom in bed, and she's sick, getting sicker, so she's not gonna be able to go to the game. And he thinks he should skip the game because to stay behind for her. And at this point, it's like, what's this isn't really this hasn't really been an affecting any plot point up until now. So it just kind of really shoehorned in. Is is he wor- Is he trying to figure out what he should do and which team he should, he should play for? Or is he worried about his mom being sick? It's like 
which which motivation is being played out in the scene. We know we're like Yeah, I, I don't know if it's mentioned at any point, but does he like is he not there when his mom dies? Is it's is not that, mentioned, I don't think. Is does that like something that got like edited out? Like that know. key piece of information, like, hey, he wants to hang around his mom because he knows she's gonna die and last time he wasn't there. That's a weird thing. That's a weird point in a baseball movie, though. Yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm not agreeing <laughs> that it should that plotline should even be in yeah. this movie. Right. But. Because, it, but he only like it's just weird because he literally he really only has four scenes with his mom. Yeah. Like it would be different if it was like if she died when he was in college and he gets transported back to college and he's yeah. like questioning whether or not he should give up his college career to be with her when she's like dying yeah that's 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 a conflict that's conflict about her dying of cancer this is not about a kid's mom dying of cancer this is about a guy learning the true meaning of friendship and what it means to to have fun with your friends and what baseball is supposed to be yeah and with hot mom cancer shoehorn and yeah exactly right she it it never looks like she's suffering nope she just looks maybe it looks like she just took a long nap yeah, maybe a little paler at times. It's kind of like an Endgame when Thor goes back to the day where his mother's gonna die, mm-hmm. and he's he wants to stay there. He's like trying to tell her what's gonna happen. You kind of feel like that helps his character grow. None of this helps his character grow. None of nope. none of this helps Tommy grow. It's There's nothing. He, he doesn't change teams there. Yeah. No. So and it has nothing to do with his mother. So yeah, just kind of there. So the game finally starts. Uh, we are introduced to the coach of the prep school, played by John Cruck. Yep. Meh, or meh. Brian Dennehy. <laughs> Whatever your resolution's in. Yeah. <laughs> what is interesting is we don't get to see a scene where Tommy breaks it to the team that he's going to play for Needman. He just shows up to the game Yeah. in Needman's uniform. Needman's plan could have just been to get to the team to forfeit, because without Tommy, the Sandlot kids could only field eight players. Yeah. Is it, do, or do they bring that up? No, they don't. <laughs> but you literally could count them. Yeah, they. I think they, they say now play. we're down a player. They do say now we're down a player, but not it's not else. like they don't mention like we're down a player and now we only have eight. But that could have just been it. It's like, oh, Tommy can play for us, and then it was like, oh, well, you guys can't field the team. I guess I win. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess the Sandlot is mine. That'd been great. That'd have been a great way to end this movie. <laughs> It's just like they won on a technicality. It's like when uh, Gordon Bombay just brings in rules about zoning, about oh, who's right. supposed to play it, so he steals Banks from the other team. Yeah. Never mind Wait that Bank, all of Banks' friends play for the other team, and just because of a technicality, or Gordon Bombay gets the best player in the game. They they redrew the district lines. Yeah. <laughs> what Come a on, bunch Ant. of bullshit. That was like the least would, satisfying he, thing ever. He would have been on District Five. He wouldn't have been a hawk. <laughs> Redistricting <laughs> has a massive play in the ending of Mighty Ducks. I love just it. like just like Pee Wee hockey was invented for. And I, but that's I love that because at a personal level, I would have done the same thing <laughs> if if I if I knew the best player in the league should not be on that team oh god i'm going and i'm gonna be a dick about it too <laughs> like i'm going way out of my way to make sure i'm going into the archives the city archives like all right here's the districts are oh you see i knew it <laughs> he doesn't belong there yeah then the mute kid ryan gives an inspiring speech and it causes tommy to jump ship and play for the sandlot team and he's a real dick about it this kid has zero allegiance nope 
Pick a side, motherfucker. Hasn't learned a damn thing. Nope. nope. Still not loyal. Yeah. The game starts, and this field should be fucking condemned. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got out of this scene, was there's a fucking rusting pickup truck in right field. There are boxes, like crates in center. Yeah, it's... There's they, just trees in left field for no reason. There's one fence, and it's in left field. It's like the final years of Shea, Shea Stadium. It's like... <laughs> Well, I don't know what Squints has been doing for the past 14 years, but it hasn't been keeping up his beloved Sandlot. Nope. <laughs> yeah, and the, and that's the the whole point of this. Like, what are you really saving, yeah. right? You're saving a, you're saving a memory. Yeah. And it you're looks not helping. Like, it looks like any random ass like empty junkyard. lot in Camden. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think 40% of the kids that play that game came down with a case of tetanus. They're crashing yeah. into the uh, the old truck. <laughs> oh my god! This this uh this truck's fender just ripped open my skin. <laughs> Bleeding got, out in the I got field. rust. I got rust in my bloodstream now. <laughs> well, it was the 70s. You walk it off. <laughs> yeah. We'll be fine. Yeah. It, no, if I remember correctly, the original Sandlot, it didn't look nearly as rundown and shoddy as that, right? Oh, not at all. I right. mean, it was a Sandlot, but it was it didn't have a truck in right field. Right. There was a fence. Yeah. And I, I don't the know if it went a little around. beat up, but yeah. But it it looked like a ball field. This, yeah. like you said, it looks just like a random plot, uh, like patch of earth. Uh, and about a about seventy five feet shorter. Yeah, so it, it, looks, it, look, it looks small. Like everybody's right on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just—it's a mess that place, and it's really not worth saving. I feel like they could have just found like any neighborhood lot, any neighborhood little ball field, and just made it look so much better than this. And, and also, Squints is a fucking idiot because if he owns that, just sell off the land, dude. Yeah, make some I don't money. I don't know if he—he's like he's supposed to be the commissioner of the the league. So oh, I. He, I don't know, know if he owns it. Because if he owned if he owned the earth, or I believe the, the town. I, I believe it's just owned by the town. I think it's a okay. public public park. Which I guess is why they went to the uh, town meeting, right? Yeah. Don't say if Squints owned that park, just yeah. sell it and make another one, man. It's like one sandlot is no different from the other. It's the sentimental value that it holds. I guess because it it represents him molesting a, a woman. I get it. Right. Brings me back to that time where I totally yeah. copped a feel on the unsuspecting lifeguard, who is now my wife. <laughs> right. I, I literally beat her into submission. <laughs> One of the things I kept questioning while watching this is, like, Squints gave them uniform shirts, but why are they all playing in jeans? And why is no one wearing a hat? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> this is what bothered me. And they even do that at the... Like, the I guess the major field, like the how would you describe it? Like the tournament field, right? Yeah. They're wearing jeans. Everyone else is wearing the you know baseball pants. Yeah. yeah that's, that they, that's what they're the ragtag team. You you couldn't chip in for some pants, Squints? Come on. <laughs> the game is going back and forth. Tommy takes EJ deep at towards the end of the game, so EJ's bike is going straight into the wood chipper because of it. <laughs> It's 10 speed. I love that 10 speed. I love that 10 speed. It's uh, so EJ, EJ's father, 
tells him to in- intentionally walk Tommy, much to Crux's chagrin. He yep. he's not a fan of that. He doesn't that's like. That's the best part. That's the best part of the the final game is just the reaction shots of John Crux in the set. Just so disappointed. Everything you see him, every decision made is just. <laughs> uh, this is not baseball. That's not the way I played. But uh, yeah, so he EJ confronts his dad. Very uh, what well, it was like a bad news bear style. Right. Yeah. Uh, he confronts his dad and tells him, "I'm I'm gonna strike this chump out. He can't hit the low, the low outside, the, the low and away pitch." Yeah. Which proves true. He throws two low and away pitches. Tommy swings over them. So what does he do? He goes fucking high and in, yeah. right in Tommy's wheelhouse. And Tommy makes him pay. Now, also in that that scene, he hits a foul ball. Yes. Why? It means zero. It means <laughs> absolutely nothing to that scene. Right, it's, it's not tension building whatsoever. Right, like oh foul ball. Okay, so now he's gonna strike him out, right? Right. Nope. <laughs> Takes yeah. him deep. Yep. And it's not even like it's not even that close. It's like it's not even it's like oh my god, it's going down the line. Right. It, oh. oh, it hooks foul. Right. Yeah. It, this one was just he hits it foul ball. Yeah. And then the next pitch high and inside, Tommy tanks it right into yep. the Myrtle House. Yeah, great, awesome. Nothing was gained, yep. right? Like there was nothing for for the viewer. Nothing was gained there. No. Well, he uh, got payback on the bully. Yeah. yeah, but it wasn't even that great. I, <laughs> I didn't feel good about it, you know. So for know. for the final inning, they break out the Dodger ball, which is supposed to be good luck for them. And the bases are loaded at some point. EJ steps up. Or the game went the the go ahead run is on is EJ and uh, he pimps the fuck out of a fly ball out. <laughs> he hits a towering fly ball towards Tommy's direction and he trots the shit out of it. He pushes the second baseman aside <laughs> when he's he rounding just, second. He just immediately throws off his helmet and just struts around the the bases. And then Tommy makes his great catch just for the other team. Jumps into the wall. The wall kind of gives and then pushes him back onto the field. And he makes the catch. And he gets the... Uh, and so they win the game. That's the end of the game. John Cruck comes up and he's like, I saw that. That's great. I want you to come play on my team next year. Blah, blah, blah. He's right. like, great. It all worked out in the end for me. Tommy, who has still not learned a lesson, really. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, nothing, yeah. Nothing. He doesn't sacrifice anything. Nope. He doesn't change his mind on anything, really. Like, he still plays baseball. Like, he doesn't give up baseball to be with his mother. Nope. Barely, barely learns the true meaning of friendship. And he just did it in a different uniform. Yeah. He just learns it because the mute kid gives a single speech. About like really, it's not even that inspiring. Just like he's like, I don't want to lose to these these knuckleheads. Right. He says, these these fart breaths. I think is a is a choice word. Like oh, he's got some mouth on him. Mouth on this kid. (laughs) You you guys have seen the movie Scrooge, right? Correct. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So obviously there's a a mute kid in that movie because his father was murdered. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't say anything until the very end when he says, God bless us, everyone. And it's very impactful because of Frank going through this whole change in life. Yeah. 
this has no weight to it because nope. it's just the mute kid saying, hey, stop being a fucking asshole. Yep. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I think I think they took more inspiration from Silent Bob than they did Scrooge <laughs> with, with this. Right. The, sure. the, was the sign on the car says Critters of Hollywood, you dumb fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he runs home to his mom who's been sleeping. She's getting super sick, but she's still hot. And then the mute kid comes comes to his window. Like, hey, this is your ball. Have it. So he throws it up to him uh, as fireworks are going off. And young Tommy gets hit on the head. And then he snaps back to present day, or 2007, really. Yeah. And Luke Perry is now in a hospital bed. And he's recovering from getting smacked in the fucking face. <laughs> um, Bald face syndrome. Yeah. Yep. And he has learned a lesson about not being an asshole. And all of a sudden, all the kids from the Sandlot are now fully grown, and they it's love like, Tommy now. It's and... like the it's like the end of Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Right. And you, you were, were there. there. And right. oh, my girlfriend is now my wife, and I never left her to go play for the Yankees. I've been a Dodger my entire life, and here are my two kids. Right. And Why? None, Why? None did... of this. And none of it like. Sends him into a shock because that's exactly what if I saw two kids, if right now two kids ran into this room, <laughs> you, you would see me, the listeners, you would, you couldn't see me obviously because you're listening, but you would hear a loud thud and that would be me fainting because that's what a normal person would do if two kids just randomly ran into their lives, not embrace them and be like, oh, I've known about this my entire time. Yeah. He doesn't have that time travel shock where it's right. like. Oh my God! Like Time Cop, when he comes back, all of a sudden he's got that really fat kid, right? That he's missed ten years <laughs> of that kid's life, right? And, and and that plays directly against how he was when he went back in time, right? Because it took him forever to figure that out. Yeah. And then when he comes back, he just immediately accepts, "I have two kids and a wife now." And all <laughs> all my friends from the Sandlot are still my very good friends now. And they dress like children still. <laughs> yeah. They just show that quick back shot so you can see the yellow hat. And then it's yeah. whatever that dream sequence is. Yeah, it's it's a terrible ending to a, just a terrible movie. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's, that's, the, that's the end. That's the end. And this movie fucking sucked. Yep. I dislike this movie so much. I I really don't have anything nice to say about it, really. Yeah, there's not even a way to save this movie. No. Yeah. Well, the way to save it is to just throw it into the fire of yeah. Uh, yeah. Mount Doom. Uh, uh, yeah, I think we I think we slightly got to even the smallest shred of a thing you could have done. Ant brought it up earlier. Is to just do the whole he gives up baseball for his mom. Yes. That is about it. But that has nothing to do with this movie. Yeah. Right. That it's is not a the same. other movie. Essentially, you take out you take out the mother, right? You take out the mother having cancer storyline because it, it played zero. It had zero effect. Yep. Like Anthony said at the beginning, we don't know if that's why he became a jerk when his mom died. And that's totally understandable. I get that when you're a kid and you lose a parent and we don't know what happened to his father. He's never mentioned, I think. But uh, when you lose a loved one at that age, it's going to mess with your mind for good or for worse or for better or for worse 
but it's not explained here. So there's really, you just take that, you lift that out, you're fine. You, now you play baseball, and that's what the Sandlot should be. If you want to put, and if you want to put time travel involved, you can make it so much better, so much better. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it really meant nothing. It should have been a dream sequence. Yeah, that that's the thing. It's if you're going to commit to the time travel aspect of it, you got to play into the tropes that go along with the time travel movie. It's like what would have been good is if they leaned into it. Let's okay, so. We say maybe we we kind of fix the reason why he goes back in time. Let's say something magical happens, or like there's a magical right. person that kind of sends him back into time, right. sort of like uh, like I said, Don Cheadle in in The Family Man. So then you send him back in time some way like that, and you tie it into the first movie by trying to get the kid that played Bertram Grover Weeks, the ki- the kid that got really into the 60s. Remember that at yeah. the end of the, the yeah. postscript of the Sandlot is like Bertram got really into the 60s and no one ever saw right. him again. Right. You bring him back in the 70s and like he's all he he's the Doc Brown character mm-hmm. in 1955. Like this kid, he knows he just like you're not from here or something like that. Right. And then you kind of create like you got to get back like you had like the lightning striking the clock tower sort of scenario, yeah. whatever right. that is whatever that ticking clock is, you create that for, you got to get back and you got to be here at this time and try and create a conflict between, oh, well, uh, holy shit. Well, that's the same time as the game. And that's mm-hmm. like the biggest, that's the first big moment of my baseball career is when I play that game. Right. It's like, I think I can make it, but we'll see. And then all of a sudden yeah. the car breaks down. So he's got to run to that situation, you know, yeah. Just rip if you're gonna if you're gonna do time travel, just rip off Back to the Future, right? Yeah, <laughs> or you put your own spin on it. So and it was it was my, it was the thing I was gonna bring up is that you even have him during the baseball montages teach them something that wasn't in the baseball in the seventies, like maybe a pitch True. that hasn't been invented. Invent, yet. He invents the shift. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That would be perfect. Or, or he shows them how to throw, like, Mariano's cutter or something. Yeah. You know. Right. And, it, and that's how they fix the pitcher. And and maybe he can even help help the kid out, like uh, Ryan, the mute kid. Maybe yeah. he can figure out a way to reach out to him better, like, through his love. Of, like, oh, you know, baseball is going to be this in the future and so on and so forth. And that maybe Ryan kind of cheats a little and winds up doing something in the future for baseball yeah like oh like ryan's the guy who invented this and like oh shit he so he listened to what tommy said you know what i'm saying like it's something that it's, it's nothing major but he he kind of helps out in a certain way or like he scouts you know whoever you know he scouts ken griffey jr and like oh yeah ryan was the one who who went after ken griffey jr he went after some guy who wasn't like no one thought he was they were going to be big and turns out to be big yeah yeah Yeah, i think i think part of it is that when with a time travel situation there needs to be like a commiserating party like Mm -hmm. he's all alone in the 70s with no one to really to bounce things off of to bounce that situation off of right to believe him yeah um but it also this this movie could be improved a great deal is if it's not time travel, it's just a dream and he's bleeding out on the field. 
<laughs> these are all the last. These are all the last moments that uh, this is all what's flashing in his head right before he dies. I'll I'll buy that. Yep. The standard that. Jake's Jacob's ladder scenario. Yep. Yeah, dying out <laughs> in the mud. Yep. Yeah. That would make more sense. I mean, obviously not. It's a it's a kids movie, so obviously he doesn't die. He comes to and is like, oh my god, and then he becomes a better person for his dream when he realizes that he's really kind of fucked up the kind of true meaning of baseball um and that's you know essentially yeah that's that's the standard way to do that it Mm -hmm. just doesn't doesn't really um it just doesn't make any sense that this is an actual time travel movie right right (laughs) it's 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 really just silliness at that point you don't gain anything from it i don't know why they went that route but they did (laughs) uh so yeah i think that's all she wrote for the sandlot heading home uh you guys got any last uh, last couple of comments before heading Uh, out mm, mm, it's good to be back (laughs) nope (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's uh i hope you pick a better one for but that, again that's why we're here we're not here to yeah. watch good ones exactly uh, um yeah. mark is this your least favorite um i this is the it, this is like the fir- one of the first movies that you've seen t- to be the most critical of yeah that that could be true i still don't think i liked Ernest more okay that might be my worst okay movie um, I'd have to go on to, you know, the little, little playlist you made, yeah, um, and just see if I'm missing one. But I don't. I remember having a worse time with Ernest, outside of the song. Okay. But but yeah, fuck this movie. Okay. <laughs> fuck the, Mark. Yeah. Uh, Mark, Mark the yeah. fuck this movie. Yeah, that's the first. Movie. That'll be the first time that he's cursed on this podcast. Uh, that's yeah. true. I, I think I need to cut back on that, so I apologize. Uh, I've I've cursed a lot too. You guys got any uh, pluggables? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, Twitter, Diaquino122. Um, what else? You can find me on uh, my Instagram. Isn't really worth it. It's pretty terrible. Um, Stranger Damies. You can find us at Stranger Damies on Twitter. And that one is actually a pretty good Instagram. You could follow that one at Stranger Damies. Uh, and that's pretty much it for me, Mark. Yeah, yeah and just leading in Stranger Damies, um, as you noticed on the website, um, we posted our uh, latest episode, uh, which has accompanying video. Yay! Yeah, very um, exciting. There, very there's exciting. A, there's a link to the YouTube channel. I didn't direct link to the video because I want everybody to subscribe. So do we get some subscribers? Um, but you can click right to the video from there. Um, you know, it's uh, easy to remember for now until we can get the vanity URL. Um, it's tiny. It's tinyurl.com slash Stranger Damies. So Great. be on the lookout for that. We'll be uh, every Wednesday will be video and audio, basically the same episode. Uh, one you can listen to on the go. And then. Whatever timestamp you paused it on, you can probably basically pick that up in the video as well. Cool. Excellent. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, we are They Call This a Movie, and you can find us on Podbean at theycallthisamovie.com. 
any podcast streaming app, including iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. You can find us just by searching They Called Us a Movie. Um, our main website is themaindamey.com. And through that, we have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Main Damey. We post everything there on all three of those. Um, we are now members of Geek Vibes Nation, and we'll probably be showing up on more shows there as well. And uh, they're at gvnation.com, and Geek Vibes Nation is their Twitter, and I think they're on Facebook and Instagram at the same spots. But any, basically, they have their own podcast streaming um, feed, which will pop up there, as well as a number of other great shows. Uh, just look for Geek Vibes Nation, and uh, a couple of other of our other shows might be popping up there as well. Um, so be on the lookout for that as well. Uh, I'm at Ant Delvec. Um, Mark, you're at Off the Mark Tweet, right? Off the Mark Tweet, correct. Off the Mark Tweet. And Dan had already said Diaquino122 is his Twitter handle. The movie this week was The Sandlot Heading Home from 2007, directed by William Deere. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling director William Deere to go fuck himself. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.